this week on Grip and Grin. The whitetail season is a tale of victories and defeats. For most, the post-rut is a sign of the end of the season. However, for others, the post-rut is an opportunity to further fill the freezer or to bag a buck of a lifetime. Follow along as a Grip and Grin team hunts their way through the post-rut of the 2021 whitetail deer season. Hello and welcome everyone back to another episode of Grip and Grin. Welcome back. This yes, good. sir. It's time to talk about that post-rut shit. Let's get Absolutely. into it. <laughs> as Definitely. always, as always, check out the uh, Instagram, Grip and Grin underscore pod. We have content for your year-round, year you know. We hope to, uh, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. That's, yeah, I guess. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Year round, check out the Instagram, share and like with your friends, leave us a review, you know, message us, DM us, whatever. I need a liver recipe. Mm. Listeners, if you got one, give it to me because I need it, you know, or we need it. I mean, you don't have liver, you don't eat the liver. Not give it to your, don't you give it to your old man? Yeah, my old man usually goes heart, liver, yes. sometimes liver, not always liver. but So we need a liver recipe. We're in need of it. Give it to us. I will take it and use it. I've been, you know, I love the heart, the liver, not so much. Please DM us. I need it. I mean, the heart's good when it's intact, I'll say. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Which that's the advantage of bow hunting, let's be real. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's but rifle, fact. dude. Rifle just makes a mess. But anywho, <laughs> please, yes, if you can, reach out to us. Uh, you know, we're we're dying to hear back from you, folks. I I thought of this the other day. I should check my spam mail in the Grip and Grin yeah. email. What's the email again? That is uh, Grip and Grin uh, podcast. G- is that a podcast? I'm pretty sure. Jeez, it's been so long, dude. Well, I will say this, grip and grin underscore pod on Instagram. Yeah. So DM us, you know, anything, any suggestion of what we need to fix. You know, we're always open to uh, feedback. Please rate us on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You know, we're trying to improve in any way possible. If any topic you want to want discussed, we will discuss it. To oh, the yeah. best of our uh, knowledge, and I won't say that's the best knowledge, but we'll give us give it our best shot. It is a grip and grin podcast at gmail.com. Hell yeah. So, so. let's get into, you know, post rut action. You know, you got Bjorn. I got a deer under my belt. Yes, sir. There is definitely more to recap for this episode. There's definitely some kills to go over. And Dude, there's, there's definitely a, a different experience for both of us in this episode and future episodes. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, I'm going to jump right into it. Um, 
So as you listeners recall, when we were filling out doe tags, uh, I put my bonus doe tag for in southern Maine. And I was fortunate enough to get that tag. So uh, three deer in the freezer, but I still have that bonus doe tag. And uh, between you and I, um, I didn't realize how hard it would be to shoot a doe when you have to isolate and hunt strictly for a doe. Dude, it was a challenge. Yeah. It really was. And um, you're going back to your old stomping grounds. And, well, <laughs> I'm going back to my old stomping grounds of where I grew up hunting as a as a kid, uh, where I basically learned how to hunt. But dude, it is so much different than when it than when I was a kid. As far as like, it is just it's become overpopulated. It's become just like houses. Oh, just everywhere. It's it's completely different. And we were talking about this a little bit um, the other day about you know when you hunt in Maine. You know, for, for everybody out there, uh, especially you Mainers, it's anywhere you go in the state of Maine, every place is different. There's no same exact place in the state of Maine. You got different elevations, different tree sources, different uh, food sources. Weather patterns. Um, weather pat. I mean, you name it. Maine is just so diverse when it comes to um, its type of hunting. I mean, you look at um, where I hunt currently. And then you look at Southern Maine, it's like apples and oranges. It's completely different. What's um, What's really funny is uh, being in Mass, people talk about Maine in a way where it's like, oh, the coast, the rocky coast, whatever. It's like you have a whole onion to unpeel there. Like there's oh, yeah. so many layers to Maine that an out-of-stater really doesn't know where, you know, northern Maine, you got like, Logging yards and whatever hemlock cities for hundreds of miles, and you got southern Maine suburbs, you got eastern Maine, you got western Maine. It's just completely different wherever you're located, which is just one thing I love about Maine. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the challenge of you know Maine hunting is, you know, you might be great at hunting your you know your your religious like location that you always hunt, and then you throw yourself a curveball and you go down there and you just you. I started to get frustrated, but it's like, man, it's just, it's the new challenge. It's the new, I have to adapt. And so I did head down there. Uh, I had a good little uh, stretch of time that I went down there to hunt to try and fill that, uh, that doe tag. Um, you know, this is a region that is filled with oak ridges. So that's a food source. Uh, you got open fields with, uh, with clover in there um, and uh, some thick, boggy, wet areas as well. Um, so... And the property that I was hunting was bordered by a river, which the re- the deer think nothing of that river. They'll just jump across, no problem. But, uh, you know, you can kind of use that, that river as like a, a border around this. Uh, it's about 70 acres that I was hunting. Um, but, you know, based on the local report from other hunters, um, is that the deer were using these ridges uh, to kind of bed down because to get to the point of the ridge out in the finger, you had to cut through like thick raspberry bushes. And, you know, going through those raspberry bushes was was no quiet task. Um, so we didn't even bother doing that because we knew we just bumped those deer off the ridges. Um, so, you know, in doing so, I knew where they were. Um, so the, the first sit that I had, I only had, I don't know, an hour to hunt. Um, and I said, you know, I'm going to hunt near these ridges 
because that's where they're betting, and I know that they're going to come to this field to, to eventually feed. Um, so my first sit, I sat probably 20, 30 yards off the, off the, uh, the field, and dude, I mean, we, we call, you know, we talk about this, but the pumpkin patch started to come alive. <laughs> I saw more hunters in the first 45 minutes of sitting there than I had my entire season prior to. Like, I had a hunter behind me walking across the field. I was like, yep, there goes a hunter. And then I had a young hunter walk literally straight up to me on the ridge, like, see me. Like, I was concealed quite well. See me, and he did the right thing as a young hunter. He turned right back around and walked the same way he came in, uh, which was great. I mean, that was that was nice of him to do that, which I appreciate. Um, sat right till legal time, nothing. I was like, God damn it, whatever. Walk out. I literally step into the field, and there's two deer, like forty yards away, staring at me, and it's past legal time. And I was like, Son of a bitch. They like kind of trotted into the woods, but I, I wanted to use this to my advantage, and I took out my grunt, and I grunted at them a couple times. They stopped. They were curious. They didn't really know what I was, um, but they eventually snorted at me and took off. But uh, that was my first first sit. I mean, first sit, I only had an hour to hunt, and I saw two deer. So I was like, all right, this is promising. Um, but uh, second sit, I went down to the riverbank to try and see if um, – to try and see if those other hunters, because, I mean, there's a lot of people that hunt this property, is definitely public. Um, and, you know, I was kind of banking on those hunters pushing the deer off the ridges down towards the river. And I'm ho- I was hoping that those deer would follow the riverbank. Well, um, I, I they did do that, but not in my location. Um, further away, a family friend, he ended up shooting a deer. So I was able to communicate with him, and he said, there's definitely more deer. I saw more. Um, they're coming your way. So it was kind of a nice little heads up. Um, but, uh, I did end up seeing a deer, but it was about 150 yards away. I saw the deer, big deer broadside was not going to take that shot. Um, but it kept looking backwards towards the river and I was like, what the heck? And I don't know if you've ever seen something like this, but I mean, I've seen this more than once now, but it kept looking back, looking back. I'm like, what is it looking at? And then all of a sudden, off to my left on the riverbank, there was a hunter walking the riverbank. This deer was literally watching this hunter, like, and it was sneaking away from this hunter. I was like, this is this guy has no clue <laughs> that there's a deer right in front of him. And it was just really cool to see that. Um, but that deer went literally back up on top of those ridges and bedded down. So I knew exactly where that deer was. Um, and for my... For my afternoon sit uh, that afternoon, um, I went to one of my favorite spots, which is, I mean, it's about a mile in, and it's a nice little hemlock ridge. Um, you know, ha- ended up having a doe run through. Um, it's where she ran through. It was thick. You had the it cannon. <laughs> I had the cannon, and I was like, maybe I could slip one by. I mean, there was one opportunity, one last opportunity where I was like, you know what? fuck it and i i threw a shot um and honestly it it was a clean miss it was a clean miss it was a good miss um because after i shot i'm like i literally told myself i'm like what the hell are you doing like come on (laughs) i remember you telling me that on the phone it was really funny (laughs) like my mind was telling me like like 
don't do this. Like, don't shoot. But then my finger was like, uh, yeah, deer, shoot it. And, yeah, it was just a clean miss. So, um, you know, there was that. So I was kind of, like, down on myself. But uh, one of the next day, one of the next sits, I think it was a week later, yep. uh, I had another sit down there. Uh, went back out to the Hemlock uh, Grove and, you know, it's there's a lot of buck sign there. Uh, that's where they're at, and um, you know I was seeing a lot of scrapes, a lot of rubs out there. Um, had saw that doe out there, so I knew they were in that area. They're using it to bed down, uh, and it was raining or rain was coming in that day, so I was trying to hunt as much as possible before that rain came in the afternoon. Now rain coming in midday, I figured it's it's gonna the behavior of the deer is going to be a little bit different in my opinion. You know, yeah, they're up all night feeding, but with the rain coming in, I, I thought it was just a different dynamic. It was a different, like, what's the word I'm looking for? System, like a different type of yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was almost like a curveball at the deer uh, because most of the storms that we were getting were overnight or, um, you know, late afternoon. So for the afternoon, midday, I was like, I'm just going to keep hunting. I'm not going to leave. I'm, I literally went from my morning spot, walked on the other side of the property. Um, and uh, this spot is more towards like um, almost like neighborhood bedding. Uh, there's a neighborhood down over the ridge. Uh, it's a little ways away, but I knew that those deer would uh, bed down that neighborhood. So I was kind of sitting on the outskirts of it, kind of waiting for those deer to come to me. Um, so sat halfway down this ridge, this gut, if you will, and uh, face the other opposing side of the ridge. And at this point, dude, it was like torrential downpouring, like pissing. Like, I mean, my scope was fogging up. I was using my glove to like clear out my scope and it was like all murky. So couldn't hear shit. I'm practically sight hunting at this point. And wouldn't you know, a freaking doe comes from my right to left She's running on top of this ridge, which I can't shoot skyline, obviously. So I'm waiting for her to come down. She's trotting. So something spooked her in the neighborhood. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute about strategy. But um, something got her up and going. And so she's coming down the ridge, and she drops down. And literally, you would be proud of me. I thought of you as soon as this happened. <laughs> I bleated. Yes, you heard me right. I bleated at her because she was, I mean, she was moving. And so I bleated at her, like, pretty freaking loud. I mean, I pr practically yelled at her. And she stopped and, I mean, through my foggy scope, put the crosshairs, like, split the difference, put the crosshairs on her and pulled the trigger. Um, she stumbled at first, which I was like, okay. Uh, she ran off and I couldn't hear because the rain was hitting the leaves, so I couldn't hear anything. Um, so I didn't feel a hundred percent confident in the shot. I mean, I knew it was on, on her, but I didn't know exactly like precision wise where the shot went as far as placement on the deer. Um, I thought the shot would have been a little bit further back. Um, but went up and I probably waited five, 10 minutes, uh, just because I didn't wait, wait too long with all that rain tracking would have sucked, which when I did get up there. Dude, some of the, like, uh, pools of blood in the leaves were already, like, diluted. Like, they were just, like, washing away. Mm. It was raining that hard. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God. So the only blood patches I was getting was, like, 
under these like thick hemlocks where the rain hadn't quite gotten to yet. Um, and at, at this point I couldn't track blood. So I was literally just following her tracks. I mean, her tracks were much more clear than the blood trail that I had, uh, cause of the rain and literally was doing the look at my feet, look up, look at my feet, look up. And I scanned down into the gut where there's like a little trickling brook and her head is just buried into the brook. And I was like, oh, boom, done. Like, got her. Um, so walked down. Uh, my old man, actually, uh, I called him up. He came over. Um, beautiful doe. Absolutely stellar doe. Um, was very pleased with it. Um, and, uh, you know, when I found her laying in the brook, I flipped her over because I was like, all right, I got to see shot placement. Where did I hit her? Dude, double lung, like absolutely perfect shot right behind the shoulder. It was perfect. So I was able to fulfill that bonus tag uh, with, you know, my bonus doe. She weighed out, dressed out at uh, 125, you know, perfect, perfect size doe. Um, but uh, yeah, four deer, dude. Four fucking deer. A first, a first a, for you. A, a absolute first. I mean... This was more than the cherry on top. This was like, I mean, hands down, this is just, I've never, I've never worked so hard for a doe. I can clear, I can definitely say that. Never worked so hard for a doe. But um, definitely some lessons to take, you know, to take back from this. And um, I mean, you can relate to this too, because you, you're hunting in expanded slash like uh, development, you know, housing areas and whatnot, but yep. uh, use other hunters to your advantage. You know, if you know there's going to be people parking at a location, walking in, use that to your advantage. Um, you know, that's that was kind of my strategy going into this is, you know, not so much where are the deer going to be, but where are the deer going to go. So I was banking on, like, these guys that were impatient getting up and moving around. So I use that to my advantage. Um, in tight areas, I don't recommend using... Uh, sense slash calls if you have say eight to ten hunters around you it's just it doesn't make sense to me if you are going to run a cover scent or some type of scent dopey is is okay i would say but i would not run an estrus i would not run like a buck scent um, i would use a cover scent because if you're pulling those deer with a scent they could walk by another hunter you know um, so that's just my my opinion um, from experience, I just, I wouldn't yep. do it. Yeah. Um, because even calling, say you're rattling or grunting, you might have another hunter walk right up on you, which that would suck too. Um, you know, and then my last piece of advice or the lesson I learned here was in areas where you have a neighborhood, use that to your advantage. You know, people are doing yard work. Um, the neighborhood dogs are, you know, barking, Use that activity to your advantage, which when I shot this doe, you know, somebody was outside their house or the dogs were outside. Um, something happened where it got this doe out of her bed and she was moving. Um, and uh, it just it just played out that way. So um, pretty, pretty freaking cool, dude. That, uh, that, that's good. a wrap for your uh, 2021 season, right? I mean, there, I mean, I could <laughs> I could go expanded hunting, but I mean. I no, I don't need to. So I'm not. I, I'm not going to. I mean, that's a win in itself. Oh, Definitely, for sure. Yeah. 
definitely a season and a year to remember. So look Hands forward down. to the year end rear cap, a year year end recap where we uh yeah talk about all of our crazy adventures from the year. And that but, doe, that doe was posted on Instagram. Uh, you folks can see that. She looks a little yep. wet, but because it's raining out. But uh, a little was, bit of a wet dog. But yeah, it looks like a wet <laughs> dog. But um, but yeah, pretty. Cool. Well, what was crazy about that? And I'll hint at the next episode right here. Why you're in the rain, I'm in the snow, and I'm driving. That's all I'm gonna say there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh. With uh, turning the page to mass, where we're still in bow season, and I'm hunting this private land that I've had uh, permission from my coworker. I've had uh, plenty of deer encounters. You know, I I got the doe earlier in the previous episode. Make sure to check that out. But uh, the morning of the hunt, I'm going to recap. I had a buck come through. Right around shooting light, hit a scrape that I could not shoot to because I did not clear the sticks and whatnot that I had to trim to be able to shoot into it. Yep. But with that buck being like 30, 35 yards away, I did a little bit of grunting and snort wheezing at it. Did not yield any results, did not flinch, did not do anything. It just was on its way, did not want to do anything, which is kind of shitty because you watch those shows online and... Right, right. Nothing nothing came from it. You know, you, you watch on YouTube of these hunters, you know, they snort weeds at a buck that's out of range and then it comes into range and then they get it, but literally did not even flinch. Was it quiet that morning or was it a little breezy? Yes, yep. It was a quiet, perfect November morning. and So he could hear you, obviously. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely yeah. could hear me. He just did not even break stride from what he was doing. So, Do you think he was intimidated maybe? Uh, no, he had no, no, no body language to infer that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, just nothing, nothing indicating that he was interested at all. But, you know, he, he filtered through, but what I had happen was a family group of does moved into that area. So similar to the last time, you know, I had a mature doe in range. I was watching his body language, seeing if it had any sort of inkling of a doe or a buck rather, you know, following it, trying to chase it around, you know, bump it around, but it was just moseying on through. So doe perfect 20 yards. I had a doe tag to burn, so I burned it. (laughs) Now, was this the same day that you sent me videos of all these does around you? Yes. So (laughs) I took the shot. It was a good shot. I immediately knew like it was going to be down. I saw it run tw- maybe 20 yards and drop. So, but there was multiple does around the area. So, you know, I I took video. I took pictures of the doe that was broadside at uh, 25 yards just chilling. And I knew that doe was down. So I was just waiting to see if any buck would roll through or whatever. But I waited and made sure the deer filtered through. Well, you sent me those videos, and I was like, I remember texting you. I was like, dude, shoot, shoot. And you're like, I already got one down. (laughs) Yeah, there's. I remember texting you that I had one down. The arrow left the whisker biscuit, but I didn't want to take another one knowing that a buck might roll through if one of those does were hot, but none of them were hot at the time. So 
after they filtered through, you know, I went down, found the doe, a big doe. And I mean, my biggest doe. Swamp Maybe even my biggest deer. Ah, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't so know. So I haven't shot a shooter buck, as we know, but 138-pound doe. Dude, that's a, I'll, that's a swamp donkey. I'll, I'll take it. I mean, that ain't no uh, fucking, what do you want to call it? Uh, wall of shame buck oh, right there. No. <laughs> I mean, gosh. My, the biggest doe I've ever shot was 144. It's the biggest doe I've ever shot. So I mean, 138, that is respectful. That is respectful. I, I remember I sent you the picture, and you were like, 138? Why didn't you, yeah. why didn't you shoot the other doe? It's like, this doe is <laughs> fucking big. And you're like, all right. <laughs> but uh, one thing that I'll, I'll take back from that kill, you know, again, look to see if a buck is trailing behind. Mm. I waited a solid five to ten minutes i mean this doe was in range forever no idea was there and i was waiting to see if anything was going to happen from it no buck was following what were they grazing on so we still had leaves at this point and they were just grazing on some leaves that were on these uh this brush little saplings yeah saplings whatever but you know they were just kind of hanging out not really uh doing too much and another big thing to take away from it is if you're going to hunt that spot again, like I will, wait for the deer to leave after you shoot. Because mm. I had a deer roll through, took many pictures and photos for yep. you. <laughs> yep, you did. Where uh, the deer were just hanging out around me for a solid hour. But I was just waiting, you know, maybe the buck would roll through again and didn't want to take the the next uh, shot on any of these deer because I know I have over a month left at this point. So uh, if you're if you're hunting and you are planning to hunt again, definitely just wait for the deer to filter out. Don't learn where you are. Don't learn any sort of pressure you're putting on these deer. I know my stories are way shorter than yours because I don't have to build up. <laughs> they, when the deer come through, they're there, and I hit them. And then they're hanging out and they leave. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I want to add to it, though. Like, even if it's past legal time and you shot, like, say you shot a deer, like, at four, you know, right before legal time. You shot a deer right before legal time and you still have does around you or a deer around you past legal time. You know, you're done, obviously, but I would not get out of your tree stands until they at least, you know, move out of the area. Um, if you are planning on still hunting that that tree definitely, I mean, in the like, expanded zone with this with this property, I only have one tree to hunt. If you burn that one tree, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. To the fact where, if that mature doe is coming back through and it's a buck following it, she knows that this tree is harmful <laughs> and not yeah. to come through the area. So you definitely want to be able to not burn that spot out with time to hunt left. So right. Always uh, make sure that deer filter through and uh, not make a stupid decision where you're going to scare off a deer, you're going to scare off multiple deer, and they're not going to come back through. They're going to be 45, 50, 60 yards out, whatever. Right. Again, 138 pounds of meat. Yes, sir. Take that. So two deer on the board there. But I also did... uh, Plenty of public land hunting in the meantime. 
where I've had plenty of encounters. So I find this property uh, a good handful of times, not a lot, given uh, work and, you know, it takes a minute to set up and get in there, hike in there. So it's kind of like a weekend Saturday spot, if you know How what I mean. How long of a walk? Uh, 500, 600 yards. So 20 Fif- minutes to... I was say 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, definitely 20 minutes to set up, and with the saddle, it's it's great. But, you know, if you're setting up sticks, you got to take your time. But, you know, this public land spot's like 300 acres. Not a lot of pressure during a bow season. And I had a buck encounter in the morning where uh came through before shooting light, but I realized with the leaves dropping that I had no cover and it spooked. So... I made the adjustment in the afternoon and found this, you know, good little honey hole where I saw a bunch of signed, good movement, good cover, and had uh, a scent drag when I went to this spot. Hmm. And I also set up some estrus with some code blue, which I talked about in the previous pod. Make sure to check that out. But had a shooter buck, definitely a nice, nice, tall eight-pointer, you know, Hit my uh, scent drag. Was looking back at it, 60 yards. I could have shot it with a rifle if I had a rifle, but, you know, it's bow season. <laughs> so it was definitely, it was, it smelled my wick, my scent drag, but it was following the scent drag the opposite direction. So what I did was, you know, I grunted at it heavily. I uh, even did a, a doe bleat, but hmm. nothing Nothing took it off that, you know, estrus drag as it was going away. So it never, ever came into range. I mean, it was a great encounter, but couldn't make anything of it. Yeah, but encounters like that, they only make you uh, more relaxed when you see those shooter bucks, like, in the stand. You know what I mean? Like, those encounters have to happen so that you know what to expect. Exactly. Uh, It just, oh, it's mentally... And physically calms you down like the next time you see one, you're like, Yep, I've seen that already. I know what that looks like. So yep. I think that's even though you're not shooting, you're still gaining something from it. You know what I mean? So definitely, you know, you learn the direction it comes from, you know where they're betting, you know where they're traveling. Right. Right. You know like the behavior of a buck during rut. And uh I know this is a post rut recap, but it was kind of the later end of the rut here and yep. You know, it, it, it didn't work out, but I took plenty of lessons from that. You know, if a buck's nearby, why not call to it? You know, if it's yeah. 60, 70 yards out, throw a grunt out, throw a uh, doe bleed out. Like, what's the worst it's going to do? It doesn't scare it away. It didn't scare it away. It was hanging around for a while. But it kind of goes back to your goals, though. I mean, you, one of your, like, season goals or one of your goals that's ongoing is you want to vocalize to deer. So that just goes, you're, you're pursuing your goal of calling in a deer. Like, yeah. that's why, yeah. So yeah. you have reason to do it, not just because it's a goal, but you're trying new strategies and yeah, feeling and them you're, out. And you're learning on the fly where we right. talk about we're not experts. I am way, like, I'm just tipping the iceberg Okay, where I'm I'm as, gonna, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> We're not professionals, but we're goddamn good at what we do. We can we're, say we're, that. 
you're definitely great at what you do. I I think I'm good. I could definitely improve where I haven't shot a shooter buck yet. And I think for any listener out there, you can learn. Yes, I know you have three. But uh, you can learn on the fly just by watching how the buck acts during mm-hmm. rut. You know, yeah. there's plenty of things you can take away from that where, you know, he has his head to denote his head down sniffing around where mm-hmm. you can like maneuver how you maneuver how you call to it when to call to it just it's no different than like turkey hunting and you're looking at the color changing on the head of the tom like exactly how, what's his emotions right now like what's he feeling what's his body language telling me like you can read so much just based on how the animal appears and what what i learned was when i grunted at it aggressively its hair i could see its hair stood up on its back that's so but freaking cool but it again like if it was a rifle like bam done but it wasn't a rifle it was a bow so it's 65 yards rolling on this ridge to my right and you can't do anything about it you know when you have these encounters. You just got to learn as much as you can from them. Take yeah. note for next season. I've already adjusted where my stand will be for next season. So you can take away a lot of information just from a buck encounter. And that's kind of a big deal to me, yep. to any hunter out there. You know, just learning wind direction. Did you note the wind direction when that buck came through? Did you note the weather, the temperature, the anything previous like front like if there was a front rolling through but you know every everything comes into account to next year and And that property sorry most people are gonna note the wind if they shoot a deer and they're like they're successful but you're saying like you gotta note the wind even when you see those encounters even if you don't get one you have to record those observations because there are going to be similar conditions later on the season and we'll recap this in a very future episode, definitely down the line. But I note, I kind of journal on my hunts where mm-hmm. I can look back. And if I hunt the property, like I know exactly what to look for, what wind, what whatever. And it's just a knowledge bank for you. And right. it makes you a better hunter over the long term. So yep. that was kind of my best buck encounter in mass for the season yet. Mm. Again, like. I still got a few weeks left, but um, is that after crazy? that, <laughs> it is I'm pretty done. crazy. I'm done, and you're like, yeah, I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was crazy is I knew for a fact that I was coming to your place, yes, sir. and I had to pull my set after that day. I remember vividly, I was like, I had the great buck encounter, but I can't leave the set here because I got to pull it and come to your place, so... I ended up pulling my set, you know. I take the victory as it will and uh, made the trek up up to Maine, up to your place, and, uh, you know, you were gracious enough to do a camera pull before I showed up and, you know, send me on my way to where I should hunt that uh, morning I came up. It was right around Thanksgiving, actually. and The day before. Yeah, yep. And it, it was a great hunt, I mean... I've never I've I've hunted your place a couple times and never in the what well, I would say the the top <laughs> two three spots. Yeah, I've hunted the second hands, 
secondhand spots, and I'm fine with that. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Oh no, um, I mean I'm gracious enough to like scout it with you. You know, we squirrel hunt there. I I love giving you input on hunting that spot, and you you graciously allowed me to hunt Delta and set up the spot so I could use my bow, even though it was rifle season. Yeah, I I went in and what was it four or five days beforehand and. Um, Not even three, was it three? Yep, you did it on and, Sunday. Uh, came on a Wednesday. Took down a shooting rail off the tree stand, uh, so you had clear maneuvering in the in Delta, um, and uh, check cameras because I wanted to see what was in the area. Uh, you had some options. You had some options. Um, you know, late season afternoons are pretty much like a gold mine, but mornings could be could be great so but from my experience afternoons were were more rewarding i guess but given the uh the limited time i have to hang out with you in person you know not over zoom or any other uh facetime audio bullshit (laughs) hunted the morning at delta in your stand where you shop yarn cold it was a great morning. morning it was a cold morning i actually had your uh sitka gear on that's right. Yeah, I did, and it, I wouldn't say it was any better than the gear I had, but it kept me warm. Yep. <laughs> I did not see a deer, and sadly, when I was there, I had multiple bucks come through and hit my spot and mass that I would have hunted. But correct, you know, shit happens. But you Can't. you had you had to come back to Maine though, because you had an appointment. We were like, shit, while you're here, you might as well hunt, like, yes. my spot. Yes, I mean, could I have hunted mass that morning? Yeah, but, you know, I don't get every opportunity to hunt at your spot at Delta. And, you know. It's a holy grail, A little, a little <laughs> bit of a tease, a little bit of a tease. I was trying to hunt three states in one week. That was yeah. kind of like a big deal. We're, we're, I'm going to definitely tease that from the rest of the way here. Okay. to the next episode but i wanted to hunt maine i had deer in mass on camera that morning whatever happens but we made the most of the afternoon and uh we dusted the uh, we dusted off the old uh shotguns and yeah maybe we had ourselves an afternoon you went squirrel hunting yo um but we went to a, a public spot that um we actually scouted for turkeys and uh, uh like, not just scouted. Come on, come on. Okay, <laughs> you shot warrior there. Yes, beautiful toeless bird. Um, you can see that on Instagram, by the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, we had scouted this and we we're like, well, well, shit. Let's just uh, let's go take a walk and while we're at it, we'll squirrel hunt. You know, and um. Well, you know, we'll scout for turkeys. We'll scout, you know, what deer stands are out here. Uh, are people coming out this far? And just decided to do some delimbing while we were at it. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to say one thing: we brought only one box. <laughs> so we're at the <laughs> we're at the car, and I have a box of uh, twenty-five shells. I look at Andrew, I go, and I give him, like, the look of, huh? What do you think? <laughs> he goes, one box. Yeah, we're good. We're go- Yeah, we're good. One box. And I believe you said, you're like, if we go through this, we're having a great day. 
So, yeah, we only brought uh, one box of ammo. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's, what, a mile walk out? Yep, it's a mile walk out there to public land. There's some secluded fields, and yeah. it's kind of a whole bunch of terrain out there. You know, you got your hemlock groves, you got yeah. your oak ridges, you got your fields, you got your swamps. I mean, you got pretty much everything at your disposal. I mean, so our strategy going into this, I mean, I mean, you've seen it, but, um, you know, something I really noticed this year was squirrels was they weren't hitting the, the acorns, the oak trees that hard. And I was like, where are they going to? What are they feeding on? Uh, early in the season, it was mushrooms. I saw a lot of squirrels eating mushrooms. And then after that, they went to hemlock uh, cones, the pine cones on hemlocks. And I was like, huh. So when we walked out to this spot, I kept telling Andrew, I was like, dude, find the hemlocks we find the squirrels and there was a hemlock grove way way out we were like let's just go for it get out there and dude the trees just came alive <laughs> it was insane i mean how many squirrel calls do we hear just 30 40 maybe even 50 like just tons. insane um I mean, cripes, we got to one tree that we are flushing out three or four of them from the same tree. And I'm pretty sure I unloaded my gun and you unloaded your gun into that tree. Uh, mind you, this is what we're doing. We, Knowing that we had these squirrels in a thick, dense canopy, um, you know, using 22s, are, you know, it's a great method, great strategy for, for shooting squirrels, great tool, but... For us, for what we're doing, uh, we're using, you know, shotgun loads and, you know, throwing more than one pellet out there in these thick, thick canopies of hemlock. And, I mean, we get a high yield, man. It just, it yep. works. And um, uh, we were rewarded after the hunt with the uh, squirrel legs that we uh, we got from that hunt. I mean, we were in the honey hole for sure. And oh, we yeah. got how many? Uh, I can't even remember now. I mean, we had. I mean, we used the whole box. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of the, <laughs> some of those were shots to flush them out too. But, um, <laughs> man, I mean, we got our limit. So, um, but there was a couple reds in there too. Um, but uh, the yield on a red squirrel is is minimal. I'll say. <laughs> Obviously, versus a gray, but you know. Uh, Squirrel legs over gravy and biscuit. Uh, can't go wrong, can't man. Can't beat that. Can't beat that. It was great. It was a great hunt. I can't wait. I cannot wait till we do that again around Christmas time. It's going to be fun. Yeah, coming be exciting. right up. So to dive into one of the next what's in the bag segments. You know, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. So I haven't, I haven't told you this, and I did it purposefully. Bitch ass. I made a change on my broadheads. What? Dude. Yes. Dude. You're <laughs> I Dude. didn't tell you. But it's not that big a deal. Let me let Are me Are you um... kidding me? That's like <laughs> Dude, what? <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Because this is I went I reverted to the broadhead I used on my first deer. Okay. And I used a Schwacker broadhead. Was it leftover or did you actually go out and buy it? No, I bought it. So you're spoiling. I don't care. Get to the. Well, come so on. I, 
I had a uh, Rage two inch cut diameter mechanical two blade left over from last year. And I went through that on my first uh, dough that I got in mass. So I had to get new broadheads. And I went to Cabela's around my location and they didn't have that. So I was like, okay, I don't pull that much weight. I pull 60 pounds. You know, some people pull 75, 80 even, but I pull 60. I'm fine with that. It kills deer. But I went with a smaller cutting diameter on my broadhead. So I wanted an inch and three quarter uh, Schwacker broadhead. And the dough that I took previously in this episode that we discussed, I used that broadhead. I love Schwacker broadheads. I mean, I think they're even simpler than the Rage broadheads. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd agree with that. They're like, I wouldn't say they're vanilla, but they're kind of vanilla. Right. I mean, they're that they're there's two blades, there's a rubber band holding them, and I I took the less cutting diameter on them because I'm shooting such a low weight. I know I want penetration along with the cutting diameter. And given what I had at my disposal, it was a good choice. And I bought, you know, I bought them and I took a dough with it and it was more than effective. So, so is that, that's the blade retention device is a rubber band, you said, yes, right? Yes, it's a rubber band. It's not like those uh, plastic collars they normally Dude, have. I hate the plastic collars. I hate, that's one I thing. Hate I hate the plastic collars. The one thing I hate about Rage is the plastic collars, so... But I will I say this. The... I will say this. They re re-engineered their uh, plastic collars. They now have ones that are like it's still a plastic collar. I will say that, but it's not as finicky as like the flat, um, yes. the flat collars. Yes, there's a yes. new there's a new collar. But anyways, yes. So I I went to this broadhead and it worked very great, and it worked great on another deer I took to be continued on that but it worked tease. phenomenally tease <laughs> i love teasing but you bought something way bigger than a fucking broadhead way <laughs> bigger and one thing i would say we're gonna we're gonna jump into your what's in the bag and it will it ties into turkey season ties into squirrel season but it ties I've, into everything I've always told you short barrels on a shotgun are yeah. the way to go. Yeah, I know. And uh, you finally, finally did something to fix that on your shotgun. Yeah, it was a it was an expensive one. That's for sure. Yes, yes, but <laughs> expensive. But there, you had okay. to give up to get something. Okay. Okay. True. So, uh, as of right now, I'm running a 12-gauge semi-auto Beretta Outlander A300 um, for my turkey gun. It's a 24-inch barrel, uh, 25 if you include the choke. So, you know, I... I, Wait, can I interrupt you? Yeah, go ahead. So, I have a Mossberg 835 Turkey Thug pistol grip, 21 or 22-inch barrel. Can't remember off the top of my head. 21. 21, but choke is 22. So red dot sight, pistol grip, great gun. When you're in tight quarters, 
great gun. And I was always telling you about short barrel is just great. So give it, okay, no, don't just drop it like that. Like explain why in brief, why like, why short barrel? Isn't a longer barrel better? Okay, so there's two things to take into consideration with barrel length. One, as the barrel length increases, you have a increased velocity, which increases your uh, force of impact. So once you get to 18 or 20 inches with the 20. shotgun. 20. Yes, 20. Your velocity of a shotgun round isn't going to really increase exponentially it's kind of plateauing at that point where your performance isn't reduced with a short barrel so i had a 21 inch barrel right 21 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and maneuverability with a short barrel is great we we talked about our tiny blinds that we use chair blinds i think they're armistep chair blinds yes and uh if you're doing the one-man blind, very easy to maneuver within that blind. You know, you can take a take a shot. You have the red dot sight if you have it. It's great. You can basically... It's not a toy gun, because I never want to say a gun is a toy. I'll never say that, but it's also like a toy. Like, it's very small. You can do whatever you want with it, which is great when you're turkey hunting and you're in tight quarters and... You know, we're hiding behind brush and Joey's coming around the corner and you have to maneuver around a stick. You don't have to do that with a short shotgun. And I always told you, like, a short shotgun is the way to go. Dude, I said brief. That was... (laughs) What? That was a whole solid 60 seconds. I I had to set the stage. I'm sitting here, I'm like, all right, wrap it up. Um... So <laughs> you can tell Andrew's very excited for turkey season. Hey, turkey season <laughs> is literally the best season. No offense to deer season. We're talking about deer most of the time, but fucking hey, turkey is great. So anywho, currently my barrel is 24 inches um, on that turkey gun. Right, we're back. Um, so I, I wanted to go with a shorter barrel just because for that, yes, 20 inches maximum velocity. But um, inside that blind, like he said, it is tight. And I had struggles with uh, swinging my barrel inside the blind. Um, I had to almost do weird angles. I'm a semi-auto type of guy uh, for my turkey gun. Uh, Mine's a pump. Yes. Yes. Uh, His is a pump, but um, I like the semi-auto. I like having that round right there. Um, You know, it's just it's it's just what I like to run. It's all preference. Like for me, like I would never want a semi-auto for turkey hunting. No, it's just me. So that's not a bad thing. If you want semi auto, that's fine. So then I was like, all right, I got to find a shotgun 12 gauge that's really, really short. And so I looked at uh, Beretta again, and they had a um, tactical version. So I ended up purchasing the Beretta 1301 Tactical OD Green. Um, it's semi auto. The barrel length is 18 and a half inches. Which is important because 18 inches is where uh, legal uh, issues come into play. Correct. It has to be at least 18. So 18 and a half, it's still good there. The The weight on this thing is 6.7 pounds. Um, it is a tactical um, shotgun. But what I noticed is you could put inter- interchangeable chokes on it. 
Um, you can shoot buckshot from it. You can shoot uh, slug from it. You can shoot birdshot. I mean, you can use this gun for anything, literally. Um, it's primarily used for home defense, but, I mean, it is going to be a huge game changer for turkey hunting um, for me. Um, just and being able you, also, you also got a little bit of something extra on top of that. <sighs> the man didn't stop, yeah. Uh, you know, because you kept telling me you're like, you know, I was using uh, iron sights on my old shotgun. And the the reason why I started pushing towards a new shotgun in addition is because um, putting optics on my other shotgun, my old one, was going to be just, I mean, it's bracket after bracket after bracket trying to mount just a red dot on there. So I was like, screw this. I don't even want to deal with this. I want a shotgun that I can put a red dot on. Uh, red on red is what we always say. Uh, so you were you were the one that got me into like pursuing this red dot. So I ended up when I bought a red dot, I was like, yeah, I could spend like eighty bucks on one, but I was like, no, 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 we're gonna go. If I'm gonna have a nice gun, I'm gonna have nice optics on it too. So I went with a Hollow Sun 507CX2 reflex sight, which is primarily used for um, small arms or shotguns. Um, it's very very compact it's it allows you three reticles uh it's solar powered uh so you're not running that battery out uh constantly um so if i'm in the blind it's going to use battery if i'm outside the blind it's going to use solar panel um it's also motion triggered meaning when i set the gun down after five minutes it turns off to save power and then as soon as it feels motion it it pops right back on so um that's my setup that I'm running right now for turkey season. I'm looking. I'm currently looking into uh, chokes, but uh, I have a Beretta 1301 Tactical OD Green with a Hollow Sun 507C reflex sight. <laughs> I mean, can't forget squirrel season. That's going to be great. <laughs> but oh. it's going to be awesome once you get it and pattern it, you know. You, through. you told me, you're like, you can't shoot it until I'm there. <laughs> I did. And I'll be there in uh, two weeks. <laughs> oh, if I can wait that long, dude. Oh, I can't so, wait. So, uh, switch gears one last time before we wrap up the episode. We got some big news to share. Given uh, hunters in Maine, whitetail hunters in Maine, this is kind of important. You probably have heard about it, but we'll recap it now, just if you didn't know. Yeah, and so, you take it away on this because I did not research this. I did well. I did some research. Um, it's just to make us aware, uh, and this is for main uh, hunters, uh, whitetail hunters, and I know you guys have all have heard of this. So, uh, but just to emphasize this, uh, there is a meat advisory that was set on November twenty third, twenty twenty one, in the northeast portion of uh, District sixteen. So northeast. Um, due to high levels of chemical uh, PFOS, uh, which is a, help me out with this if I, if I botch this, <laughs> perfluorooctane sulfonic acid. Uh, Nailed it. <laughs> beautiful. Uh, they found it in five of the eight deer that they actually tested samples on. So they only tested eight deer, but five of them tested positive for this. Um, so if, if your deer does contain this, if you pull a deer from there and you harvest it, um, 
if you do eat that meat, you can only have two to three meals per year from that deer. Um, they can also build up over time in blood and organs of wild game, fish, farm animals, and humans that are exposed to these chemicals through their food uh, that they eat and the water they drink. So, you know, it's not just in deer. They need to start the conversation of other animals in the area, turkeys, fish, you name it. Um, so this is also, it's a cancer-causing agent. You know, it, it brings uh, high blood pressure. Um, so there's all kinds of different side effects to it. Um, it also attacks your, your kidneys as well. So um, it's no bueno, folks. Um, you cannot cook the chemicals out, so it's not like you can overcook your meat and it goes away. Uh, Michigan had something similar to this um, that they just recently passed. Uh, New Hampshire and Wisconsin, they just did a uh, do not eat deer liver advisory So because it's concentrated in the liver. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting. The state tells you to throw away those deer and basically put them back into a landfill. But if you correct me if I'm wrong, that doesn't fix the problem. That's just putting the problem somewhere else, in my opinion. Um, so if you do have a deer, folks, that has this, like, look online, do some research before disposing of it. Like, we don't want to create more of a problem. So just yeah. make sure you're doing the right thing. Um, and there's no place in Maine that actually tests all this. Um, there's only a few nationally, uh, and they charge you $250 for each test. So it's not cheap. It's not something a game warden can do for you. Um, but the state, if you do have a deer that you have to get rid of, um, there's a map online for the main website um, that you can find. And uh, it shows you if you pull the deer from that area, they will reimburse you a tag uh, for 2022. Uh, so there, it's, not, it's not going to waste um, as far as your tag. But, um, you know, just got to... I don't know, man. That's tough. Yeah, just got to be safe, but just make sure you're not not creating more of a problem. So, you know, we, you and I just talked about recently the the turkeys. You know, we're we're possibly hunting turkeys within this area, um, neighboring this. I mean, who's to say that those turkeys aren't being impacted as well? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, just do everything you can to minimize the issue and if you have any uh concerns consult the state of maine and yeah take care of it responsibly i mean it, there's a lot of information on their on their website there's a lot of numbers to call so um, i mean we're just briefly going over it we're no experts in this again so yeah. do your own research too on top of it and we're just bringing you aware of the situation which shitty but i mean happens it's shitty that, you know, all those hours of sitting that these people did or all this work that these people did, like, to get to where they wanted to be, that's the thing that's lost. The memories that, you know, I mean, not the memories, but just just sucks it, all that time and effort. Yeah, but. definitely. I mean, way to fucking kill the mood here, but... <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I mean, we, we, we should have, like, ended on something positive. You can give but us something to end, positive. To end on something positive, I've been hinting at it all episode, maybe even last episode, but I take this show out of state, and I'm not talking about mass, folks. 
So on tomorrow's hunt, I will discuss hunting out of mass, not including Maine. And it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun episode. Hell Make yeah, sure man. to stay tuned for that. Check out the Instagram as always. And uh, get in the woods, baby. And get on the water. <laughs>